I love that little percussion sound. That's nice. You're listening to Take 10 on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Along with our co-host, Carol Zernio, we are joined each week by Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known therapist, deals with issues involving caregivers and addictions. And so we thought we'd play right into one of his strengths today as we talk about what are addictions all about, why are people unfortunately willing or not willing to destroy their lives because of an addiction. And among seniors, Carol, we see this all the time, well, I drugs know, and alcohol. I know Jamie has educated us about the growing problem of addictions. And unfortunately, uh, the attitude many times is these are older people. Let them do what they want. We're not going to intervene. It's okay if they drink themselves to death. It's okay if they take drugs. They're old. What else would they be doing is kind of the attitude. Let Grandpa have fun. Yeah, let him have his fun if that's what he wants to do. So, you know, is that the attitude we should be having, Jamie? Well, Carol, you know, you work with WellMed, so we're living longer and longer. So maybe that was the attitude 100 years ago when we were living to possibly 50 and 60 years old. But the last time I looked, life really is beginning for many people at 60. Um, if you look at AARP, their largest entrepreneurial sector right now, they're starting businesses, are boomers and seniors. So let me return the favor to you and ask you, you know, at that age, is life really over? Well, I would, I would have to beg to say, no, I don't think it is. But why is it that we are seeing such an increase um, in drug addictions, in alcohol addiction, among older people, because that's not the group that most people think about. Well, I think alcohol addiction has always been there. I think, you know, in terms of reporting it, it's always been very difficult because family caregivers are the ones who usually report it. In fact, family caregivers, if you really think about it, are probably genetically predisposed as well the same alcoholism that their mom, father, or, or whoever the family member actually is, because it's a genetically predisposed condition. So I think we're becoming more and more aware that this issue is out there, and we're actually educating, if you will, family caregivers that there's help and treatment there. But to the point of why now, I think we're really looking at substance abuse and senior citizens in a different way, because there's such a huge geometric trend to addictions around opiates, benzodiazepines, um, basically so, pain remedies. So I should say, yeah, so a benzodiazepine, a what? what would I, that look like? What would I know it the name by? Well, it's an anti-anxiety, a benzodiazepine. I've seen seniors on it for, you know, 30, 40 years. In, in the olden days, when Ron and I were around, of course, they called it Milltown. We hear it now called, you know, Xanax or Valium. Those have been prescribed for years upon years by Doctors, usually primary care doctors, that just wanted people to calm down, but they forgot that that's an addictive substance. As to pain, obviously, when we're seeing so many patients, not in our environment, but in a fee-for-service environment, you can bet that doctors really who see 30 or 40 patients can't spend more than a certain amount of time talking somebody out of the prescription so they usually give in and give the prescription for pain medication. There was a piece in the New York Times recently about prescribing drugs to seniors that really are not recommended, Valium being one. Uh, and the best time of day to ask your doctor for that prescription is late in the day. They, they're too tired to fight with you. Thank you for empowering us, Ron. <laughs> 
You know, it makes so much sense, though, if you really think about it. I have an old saying, which everybody, I'm sure, will bear it out. It takes five minutes to tell somebody yes, and it takes 40 minutes to tell somebody no. Exactly. So if you have 30 patients and a bunch waiting in the waiting room, what are you going to say? And unfortunately, you see doctors who aren't really monitored in a fee-for-service environment taking the path of least resistance. So what what's the answer? Um, if I'm that older person and I've been taking you know, Valium for years, anti-anxiety or painkillers, what should I be doing instead? Let's say it's painkillers. I am in pain. I have horrible arthritis. What's what's the answer if I can't take my painkillers? Well, actually, you can. I, I Pain is legitimate. And the last thing I want to be is a zealot on top of a mountain telling people that they can't treat their pain. Pain is certainly legitimate. And there's legitimate, you know, pain medication for that. What happens often is that a primary care doctor or any doctor, a neurologist, a specialist who prescribes pain remedies doesn't even know the behavioral health history of the person in front of them. You know, psychiatry usually with that world, and, and you're not seeing many people refer, or many physicians, if you will, refer out to a psychiatrist. So if you don't know the behavioral health history and you're using you know, an addictive substance, chances are the person is going to become addicted. So there are several things you need to do. You need to hopefully get the caregivers involved and educate them as to what to watch in their loved one and to make sure they're watching them. And if they do, make sure they're part of the treatment team and can come back and, and, and discuss it. Also, you want to make sure you give um, patients immediate visits back. I mean, I've often seen patients who took opiates for a length of time not necessarily come back and find out they're addicted and then not come back to their doctor because they don't believe their doctor will write them prescriptions. So there are a whole group of things you can do. But support and connecting a senior is the most important thing. But so, dealing with the pain, I'm sorry. The pain is, as Carol said, a, a very real issue. And I, I know there are many who specialize in pain medicine who will tell you their concern very often is that doctors underprescribe. And that may well be true also as a reaction, Ron. I'm not saying... That many now, you know, in America, we tend to overreact to certain things, and we we then come back, and the the pendulum gets to the, if we hope, into the middle. Um, but we're seeing that. But I would think that in tandem with the proper pain medication, that a good pain specialist. Remember what I'm saying, pain specialist, because they are truly trained in that. I said, in addition to that, I think there are complementary medicine interventions. You know, there's. There's meditation, there's mindfulness, there's a lot of biofeedback, uh, there's support groups. There's so many things, I think, that can be added uh, in tandem with the pain medication. Yeah, I re- good I- oversight, good case management, uh, and good you know, uh, quality utilization really helps in this process. So I can remember a friend of mine whose father um, had terrible diabetes and it had gotten spiraled out of control and, and he had gone to big, strong, walking, hiking guy to in a wheelchair in tremendous amount of pain, lots of pain. Um, and he was just fighting, you know, the pain pills and being in the wheelchair and being depressed, all these bad things. And he did um, meet someone, a, a physician, who recommended some pain management. And it really was exercises in controlling the pain through visualization, visualizing the pain, getting smaller, 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 we, we, breathing through it like you would in Lamaze class. Um, and all of those techniques actually worked. He was able not only to get off the pain medication, he was able to reduce his pain enough that he could 
did exercise and strengthened himself, got back out of the wheelchair, and he was back Mr. Hiking Man again after a period of time. But it took that intervention um, of someone teaching him how to manage that pain and get through that really tough time. You know, Carol, there's a whole show we could dedicate to this, and then probably we don't have the time, but what you just articulated was a Buddhist philosophy. They call it the two arrows. The first arrow is pain, the real pain, the pain that we feel, shoulders, emotional, um, back, you know, whatever it is that we're feeling. The second arrow, according to the Buddhist, is the pain of suffering. It's the story we tell ourselves about the pain, creating this whole world around this pain. You know, if you moved into the pain, like Carl Jung would say, embrace the shadow, and were able to really deal with it one-on-one, if you will, mano-a-mano, you'd find an entirely different sort of process. And let's not forget the health consequences associated with all this medication is, is huge. It's balance, it's cognitive issues, it's depression. So to your point and to the Buddhist point, avoid the second arrow. So if what would I look for? How would I know that the person I'm caring for has an addiction? Well, you know, you can watch them. Obviously, if, it's a, if you are a family caregiver or a caregiver at all and you know the pattern of behavior they were before, it's basically not as difficult to see that they're in steady decline. But certainly you can see um, behavior that's hiding medication, if you will. You know, one of the big issues is doctor shopping. So if you start seeing a loved one, really, instead of going back to their own primary care or their own neurologist or whoever's treating the pain, but want to seek out another physician or an ER or another doorway, your, your, your alarms should go off at that particular point in time. If you do see balance and gait issues, if you're noticing different cognitive issues happening, uh, if you're starting to see sleep problems or depression um, or any adverse reaction, I think you really you know, ha- should have a, a red flag go up in your mind. And what do you do well, in 20 that's seconds? That's an interesting thing you know, because it's a long, involved process of what we call intervention. But I think you first accept it. You, know, you don't panic. You understand treatment for addictions are, are out there, and, they, and they, they tend to really work. But I also would get the entire family involved. Got to stop you right there. You're right. We'll do, another, sure. we'll do another Take 10 on this because we are flat out of time. Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We thank you for listening to us on Take 10.